You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are connected to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in our everyday lives. Our topic in this episode is caring for aging parents. And we know that this is a topic that many of you have asked about. Karen Coffey, Joe's wife, will join us for this episode to talk about what it's like to care for your aging parents and then even a little bit about how to be a good aging parent. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got uh, Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, Zach Wyrock, another member of our leadership team, and then Karen Coffey, who is Joe's wife. Our topic today is caring for aging parents. And uh, this is actually a topic that Joe and Karen brought to the surface, but we also know that this is a situation that many in our church are encountering. So how do we do that and do it well? What, what That's kind of our starting point. I know you you two have some some significant thoughts, so... Yeah, we do. Um, it has been a joy for us to have our parents close to um, where we live and, and be a part of their lives. We know uh, other friends that are experiencing the same thing as our parents have aged. We've had we have had to make some difficult decisions in taking care of them. And as I've talked to various friends, they even said, "Where do we go for support? How do we?" How do we know what to do? And so I actually mentioned it to Jimmy. Is this something that we could talk about? Because we have been through a lot of experiences with our parents in the last three years. Yeah, so that those of you who don't know, uh, know uh, Karen and I built an in-law suite onto our house uh, for my parents 15 years ago. And they moved up uh, from Florida to live with us. And then uh, a year and a half ago, two, two and a half years ago, my mom passed away uh, in our house. Uh, then my dad passed away this past June. And then Karen's mom passed away as well. So, yeah, a year ago. So we've lost three out of our four parents and all of them in their late 80s. My mom was 90. Uh, but the caring for uh, parents uh, has like Karen said, great joys, but also uh, challenges. We want to talk to two separate people, uh, groups of people. One are those of you who are caring for aging parents, uh, and then those of you who, like uh, Karen and myself, are, are rapidly becoming aging parents. And so kind of how to prepare and maybe uh, make it easier uh, on those who are going to uh, be caregivers to you. All right, so first, let's talk to those who uh, are parents of are are caring for aging parents. Yeah, and I think that is more common now than ever with the way the economy is. Um, it's it just makes sense to care for your aging parents in your home. I think for us, fifteen years ago, when we moved uh, your parents up, it was they were independent. Yeah. They were driving, they um, were doing things on their own, their their meals, they took care of their meals. And what we didn't do, and so this would be my first probably suggestion, would be to talk about when those decisions need to change. When do we start actively helping them? And I heard early on there are four M's right. that you need to be aware of and kind of watch um, as your parents are aging, and it's how they manage meals, medication, money, and mobility. And I think we could clearly see 
as those things started to chip away uh, with your parents right. in particular, right. and and then later we would see that with mine. But um, at that point, what did we do? Right. We didn't know. We hadn't talked to them about when we take the keys. We hadn't talked to them about when we start to eat together. So I would suggest for sure um, talking about what that's going to look well, like. Well, yeah, let's go through those uh, and dig a little bit. Uh, the first you said was uh, medication? Meals. Or meals. Yeah. When they're uh, they're making meals, uh, if what we started to notice was that things would be left on. Yes. The grill would be left on all night. The oven which was only, on. only happens once, a tank. And then uh, the oven would be left. Uh, w- we went over there one time because we smelled metal, and it was the waffle iron had been on for a couple hours, which is one of the – I talked to a fireman who said that's one of the most common ways to uh, that house fires start. Anything like that uh, is something – or planning out – planning out a meal is a pretty complex deal. So shopping – uh, and then actually cooking a meal, right? Yes. Uh, the second one? Medication. Medication. Yeah. Uh, I remember taking my, you know, one of those. Uh, pill boxes. Pill boxes that have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I took it over to my dad, explained it to him. The next day I went over it and two days were gone. <laughs> and I was just going, oh man. Okay. So then I'm taking medication over to him every day. Uh, so I have to remember. Well, I'm even curious about like, at what point do you start going to the doctor with them? You know, they're not just going, but, but so you can even be clear on what the medication is for and when they should take it. But that is a certain, that's a certain grasp of autonomy. Hey, you can't go to the doctor by yourself anymore. I have to be there. Yeah. Yes. That happens when you take away the car. For sure. Right. Right. And then even before then it should, Mm -hmm. that's one of those things where you can help uh, before it's mm-hmm. necessary, mm-hmm. like if you, like at, at our age, at some point to start saying to one of the kids, listen, why don't you go with me mm-hmm. just so you can get used to this because it's coming, right? Yeah, to be honest, I, I don't think it's there's a timeline for that, but it couldn't happen too early because medicine is complicated right now. And keeping track of our parents and all their right. medications and what each doctor was doing, it was important for us to be aware of that. And it wasn't it. It didn't work for your dad to be in charge of that for your mom. Right. So, and these again are which things we that we, which we didn't had to learn. No, yeah, exactly. Right. Until it was almost too late. Yeah. Oh, what's the third one? Um, money. Money. Oh mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you you need to become a co-signer mm-hmm. uh, with your aging parent. Uh, you need to start looking into all that they are. You know, they are targets for different things. Mm-hmm. Do it before uh, they lose all that they have because somebody called them and they gave their social security number over the phone. And it can be, it is wild when my dad passed away. And so, uh, you know, both my mom and dad were gone. We went through, you know, we had these automatic things being taken out of his bank account. We had no idea what they were for. He had no idea. I mean, he wouldn't have had any idea by that time. Yeah. And those people, once they get their hooks in, the only way we had to, we could stop some of them was to close the account. Um, At the bank. Yeah. And, yeah. That was, and the only yeah. reason I could do that was because I was a co-signer, which was helpful. And, and in terms of us and us talking to people who are in kind of the older age 
category, uh, communicate what your insurance is. Communicate who your banker is. Make sure your children, we need to make sure our children know your life insurance policies. We had some policy paper that we found from Papa that we didn't know what it pertained to. We didn't know if it had been collected or not. So as clear and um, organized as you can be at this point, at our point in our 60s, will be helpful for our children when they get to that point. We did not know it right. until it was too late with your parents. Yeah. And when we talked about money, it made me think. I wanted to say to everybody that uh, one of the things that not everybody has that we had, which we had have a really good relationship with our parents and so and with our siblings, and not everybody has that. So when we talk about becoming co-signer and you have a child, you have children that uh, that, or you have a, a tough relationship with your parents, that may not be a possibility. I don't know what to do with those things. This is <laughs> we learned through kind of a best case scenario in some ways, uh, but we still had a ton that we wish we had known and that we want to do differently with our kids. And the final one, mobility, m- mobility, uh, and that's when you see. Uh, a fall, a stumble, and the first one that you see, you will not think much of. It'll be losing balance in the yard, uh, anything like that. Um, yeah, that's really that is the the flag that says it's time to get more help. Yeah, and um, what we started with with um, Roland and Joan was in in home care. So it wasn't nursing care; it was just in home care. And then we went to nursing care, and then we went can, to hospice. Can you flesh out the difference? What is the sure. difference between Sure. So you can hire someone to come in and, and help okay. with light every, cleaning. Like everyday things? Well, yes, okay. with um, no medi- dressing. No medical knowledge. No medical, just, yeah, yeah, not a nursing degree, but just simple tasks that, and a support person, like for, for Roland, just to have somebody to help with Joan and some of those things or, or stay with Joan while he would go to the store. And that ru- that runs $20 an hour, $22 mm-hmm, an hour. Yeah. 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 And then sometimes it'll have a minimum number of hours. So mm-hmm. you'll have three hours. They'll, they'll have a three hour block. That's going to cost you 70 to $80. So it's not cheap per mm-hmm. day. No. And then, you know, you know, when my mom, it had to be somebody that she felt like she liked, like she would say yes and say no to certain people. And that becomes difficult because there are times where you have to say, no, you're, you're, this one, this person's going to stay with you and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's all right. That that leads to the the problem of guilt that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we all want to honor our parents um, and, I felt like uh, I lived in a perpetual state of guilt for several years. Um, and I think you did too, Karen. Um, part of that is you feel like you're never doing enough. If you're not with them, you feel guilty. If you are with them, you're going, well, I can't do this you know, all the time. So um, to me, one of the best ways uh, to deal with guilt, uh, and Zach, you were part of this, that to have other people who are watching tell you what you should and shouldn't feel. To have people say, "No, you're doing, you're doing well. Hang in there. 
Yeah, and I'll just add that I, you know, I never said that because you were asking. I just said it as like a right. man just watching you guys and saying, "Wow, you know, uh, what a great example you guys are of how you're you're caring for them." And so I just think the importance of people around people who are caring of just saying, "Hey, I see, I see what you're doing." I think sometimes because as your parents get older, they can't say it, right, yeah. or they won't say yeah. it. So to be the one who says. Man, you're loving your dad so well, or man, you're really taking care of your Yeah, dad. and just so you know, one of the things that's hard about your parents as opposed to your kids is that you know you correct your kids in hopes that they will uh that it will correct their behavior. Like if they leave are leaving the lights on or they turn up the thermostat and you say, Hey, don't touch the thermostat. You can't you can't do that. You know, th- th- this is not for you to touch. Uh, you can do that to your kids. They will get better. Uh, your parents will not. You can't teach your parents. They're, they're on the other side of the parabolic curve, kind of, so they're not learning. They're forgetting. So when you do that, there is kind of a hopelessness of that correction that's very sad. Um, and it's uh, taxing on your patients because you'll feel like you should know better. You should know that uh, how the TV works or how the thermostat works or you did this just yesterday, don't you remember? And, um, and there are certain things you just have to say, okay, you know, this is the way, this is how the thermostat works, I'll fix it. And, and then know you're going to fix it the next day and the next. Yeah, and I think that people who are listening to this and doing that, understand there is such a profound sadness. We had such great parents, and we're so thankful for our parents. But as we lost bits of them, it was really hard. And it was hard to maintain that respect and honor that we had all our life had felt. And yet caring for them like like we do our own children. So I think that is where it, it is such a hard stage. Yeah. There is a fractional grieving that you're going to go through uh, if you're as your parents age. Uh, and I say fractional because if you lose somebody who's young enough where they're 100% of what they were, what they always have been, like my little brother when he died, 100% grief is really tough. That's like a tidal wave that hits you all at once. Uh, by the time my mom passed away, uh, she might have been 15% of what she once was. My dad, maybe 20% of what he once was. So that all that grieving happens every day a little bit. And so it's like, it's like a thousand paper cuts, and that's a hard— both kinds of grief are hard. Um, but just so you know, that's the— that's the kind of grief that happens with aging parents. Yeah, I'll tell you one way that, Joe, just in our conversations that I saw you navigate that and even communicate that was, you know, your dad, uh, I obviously didn't know your dad a long time, but even in the brief time I knew him, he he was just a funny guy. You yeah. know, he liked to joke around. And and even as he kind of aged and would do funny things, right, it was, it was just idiosyncratic. It was humorous. And I remember there being a time where he had done something and you had even told it like as a you know, joke. And then you came back and said, I don't want to joke anymore about my dad. Yeah. Right. Cause it was like a line. And, and that was just so, I remember thinking it was raw for you to say that. And I think that helped us be like, okay, 
there's a fra- there's the fraction has changed here and even just for you to communicate so that we all understood hey okay that that's changing the way we talk about this and the way we you, you know because we were never laughing at your dad right, but you right. you could laugh with him right and yeah. it had changed and I, I just remember thinking that was really helpful as your friend to realize where you were and then also to guide me in okay how do i love you well okay well one way i don't do that is right you know, and I think that yeah, was. I appreciate that, and there, there's all, that also should happen between uh, spouses too. With you know, it's almost like, uh, and it, I don't know if it happened with us or not, uh, but what, where I could joke about dad and but be hurt if you joked about him, and I don't know if that. Would, but I think as spouses, you need to communicate to each other and say, "Hey, this is a this is a sad day for me. This is." Sometimes you joke because you you laugh or you cry. So it's, sometimes it's better to laugh. So one question I had is, um, how did you two, what did you do for your own relationship during the time period where you were caring for? Yeah, just because you always read that like stressful times are just tough on marriages. And you guys, you know, you went through a lot of stress in this area. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think one of the best things we did was uh, create kind of a, a weekly rhythm where we got away. Uh, just the two of us, uh, because we needed to get away. And sometimes when it got to where my parents were not able to care for themselves, we would get away for uh, you know, a couple of days during the week, and we would ask uh, one of our kids to for their families to move into our side of the house for those couple of days and care for Nana and Papa. And then because it, at that time, if my mom fell, my dad couldn't get her back into the bed, and. Um, and there were different things. There was, uh, yes. That turned out stuff. to be a, a sweet, sweet time. Our kids were so supportive, and they uh, used to call it Papa Camp. Yeah. And they would <laughs> do things. Uh, this was after um, Joan had passed, but they would take him places, and, and he just, he loved that. Even though he seemed like he was more comfortable when he was in our home, but they would all move in and, and take care of him, make sure he had meals, make sure that the oven was off. Make sure right. the doors were closed. You know, you know it's interesting with that. I, I even thought this from, I think I've said this to you guys before and I was observing it, of just, uh, you know, you want to take care of your parents because of your parents and their worth loving and taking care of. But also, uh, you model for your kids what it looks like, right? right? You, I right. mean, you, you're going to reap in some ways what you've sown. And I remember watching the way you guys cared uh, for your parents and and still care caring for your dad and and just thinking, boy, how if you're Joe and Karen's kids, how do you not like throw everything at them when that comes time? And even having them participate, it just sets a legacy of, hey, in the coffee family, like this is how we care for right. the elderly members of the family. And I feel like that's just a a really beautiful legacy to pass down and one that I know this wasn't your motivator or, but one, you know, Lord willing, you're going to benefit from. Yeah. One of the interesting things, Zach, you know, from that is that uh, my mom and dad took my mom's dad in when I was in high school and she had a very uh, rough relationship with her dad. I mean, her memories of her dad were, uh, were terrible memories of being of he was a he could be a cruel man at times, uh, and he lived with us because he had no place to go and he was uh, very senile at the, what we called senile at the time I don't know what it was, but uh, 
but that's interesting that uh, that was probably in my mind in caring for my mom and dad, which was much easier than watching my mom and dad care for pop. Um, and we were able to set up our house in such a way that it was, they had some independence and we had some privacy and it was all, uh, it was very good for all, a number of years for, you know, 10, 12 years before it got really hard. Uh, just people our age, Karen and I have talked about that. If we, if you could set milestones for yourself where you'd say, okay, this is when I'm going to turn my keys over. This is when, uh, I'm going to, you know, have one of the kids be a co-signer with me at, at the bank, let them in on all the stuff that's going on, uh, that we are a part of. Oh, you, uh, we, when we went through all my parents' stuff, one of the things that you need to remember is to try to share with your kids the important stuff of the, of the things that they yeah. may not know. We found some stuff. We found a poster, like a King Kong poster of the old King Kong movie, the one that, the first one to ever come out. And we thought, oh, man, this is the holy grail. This is what's going to be pay for our <laughs> retirement. And it was like so close. They, Karen took it to somebody and they said, uh, yeah, this would be would have been the holy grail, but this is a copy of the original. I have no idea why they kept it. And I just want to go, hey, what what was with the King Kong right. poster? Is there some story behind yeah, that? Yeah, what's with these pictures? Who who are these people? Like, There are different things we found in my parents' stuff that – uh, there were stories behind, and there's now no one to ever to tell, tell us that story. That's that's exactly right. Um, one thing that we learned is just how important it is to communicate. Right. Um, and like Joe said, our, our siblings were great support. And just together, just to be able to talk about, okay, what are the goals? What are we going to do with this? What's this? And now for us to look at our home and start to um create sort of a, a, a diary or an inventory of what's important, what's not, get rid of things that aren't, right. and start to clean out so that we don't leave our kids with a bunch of mysteries. Yeah, our goal for this podcast is just uh, to help uh, all of us to uh, honor our parents and uh, uh, make it easy, maybe easier for our kids to honor us uh, as we uh, enter into the the later stages of life, I hope it's been helpful. Well, we are you know, really appreciative. You know, I know this is this is probably not an easy subject to to talk about, but it's one of those practical things that the Lord is going to use you to to help many with. Yeah, so. and I'll just say one more time. I mean, you know, one of the biggest compliments I can give you guys is, you know, people at CCC have seen you serve in ministry in a public way for a long time, and have probably wondered. What are they like in private and just having, knowing you from a different angle, you guys, I mean, you were the gold standard at caring for your parents. And it just speaks that you really are who you say that you are and, and your faith really guides, not just your public ministry, but your, your private lives. So I really appreciate that. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.